0: Hello and welcome back to the conclusion of the matter. I'm Ren Ferguson, and joined with me, as always, is Robbie Santiago and Ryan Weaver. Uh, we're glad that you all have tuned back in today as we start episode two of season four. Uh, we are are excited to be back. Uh, hope that the episodes that we have for this season will be beneficial and encouraging to you. But as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, verses thirteen and fourteen, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His Commandments, for this is man's all, for God will bring every work and a judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. And so as we always do, we strive to look at various topics and passages to explore uh, what God intends for us and how we can apply them to our lives. And sometimes, like we're looking at today, just interesting things to study. Uh, so I guess I'll go ahead and I'll turn it over to Ryan and he'll let you know what we're talking about. So we are talking about one of the, what I would
1: say least known, or known about, what I would say least known known about folks in the in the Bible. Um, you've probably heard him referred to as uh, the print the King of Salam Salem, however you want to say it. I think it's yeah. it's um, really part. It, well, there's 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 contradicting on what that really, what what Salem meant, if it was really, most people think it was ancient Jerusalem, where he was king and priest. Anyway, his name is Melchizedek. Um, You probably, I know you were all wondering who that was, but... um, The milkman. Okay. (laughs) The the interesting enough, if uh, there's only three books that mention this man. The first occurrence is in Genesis chapter 14, where we're first introduced, and very little we know about him based on that. I mean, we know where he's from, what he is, and what he does. Um, and then in, I think it's Psalm 110, or is it Psalm 100? I didn't Psalm write 110. it. 110, yeah. where it talks about prophesying Christ following the the priesthood um, in, or, in the order of Melchizedek, which meant that it would be a, continue, a continuing priesthood. Um, and then more is found out about this man in Hebrews. I think chapter 5, chapter 6, and then chapter 7 is where we find the meat. Yeah. Um, the writer of the Hebrews, uh, which we've debated amongst ourselves, and sometimes some of us say, well, Paul said, and then that person will say, well, okay, I shouldn't say Paul. But anyway, um, that's not who we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Melchizedek. Um, I found some something interesting that um, a lot of people... Um, go different routes on who he really was. Um, I personally think he was just a, a, a person. He was a king, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He was a king and a yeah. priest. As some people have thought um, that he was it was an incarnation of Christ himself. Um, that was held by uh, Ambrose and Hottinger. I don't know if I'm saying those, those guys' names correctly. Um, some say it was the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's held by Hierarchus and Epiphanus. Some thought it was just an angel, an origin, and Didymus. Some thought it was Enoch. Um, and some people thought it was Shem, which was Noah's son. So um, there's no evidence that that is the case. No. It just seems like he was a human being that was um, king of um, Salem um, yeah. at the time, and he was also a priest, and I think that's the important part yeah. that we're probably going to look at here. But yeah. you
0: guys want to add? go ahead and add your tidbits. Well, I just thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard a couple of those. I don't think I'd ever heard the position that some thought he was Enoch or Shem. I that, saw that in a couple commentaries, yeah, I actually. That's Noah's, interesting. Yeah. But also, I, I mean, I'm just curious as to how they would arrive <clears throat> they got to there. those, or even if it was Christ or the Holy Spirit, because just because as you mentioned, Genesis 14, 17 through 24 is literally the only passage that describes Any aspect of his life. Mm -hmm. Every other time, it's just references to him, and I don't know how you know just based off of what that passage says how you could could get to that conclusion. I agree. I think he was just a a person,
1: especially when you get to Hebrews because Hebrews dives into he refers to the passage there in Genesis and then kind of elaborates on it more. So,
2: right. What I was reading, I was reading kind of some of those similar theories and whatnot, but what I read is pretty much that it was teachings of different rabbis you know, I'm sure probably ancient rabbis. So kind of the equivalent of just what men kind of had concluded or speculated about that became widespread over yeah. time.
0: But And also, I mean it talks about how he was king of a specific city. I mean and so unless that like seems, Enoch or yeah, Shem they were kings. Were, and that to me, that even would point more conclusively that it wouldn't have been Christ or the incarnation of Christ or the holy spirit or anything like that because he wouldn't have I mean if he if it was some sort of appearance of god kind of like what we read in genesis 18 whenever he appeared to abraham it would have just been an appearance nobody you know would have known him but abraham seems to have recognized, known him yeah, and mm-hmm. recognized him known him to be the priest And so I don't know.
1: Well, the other interesting thing, you guys talk about uh, the city itself. What I was referring to when I said there's some questions about that is apparently some people believe that it was not really a reference to a local place anyway. It was just part of the the Melek Salem, which is a title— um, as that can be drawn from the name, I don't know exactly how, but, um, but also other people, Jerome thought that Salem was in reference to Salim, where John was baptizing a lot of people in John mm-hmm. chapter three. Um, Josephus actually is the one who, or, or I shouldn't say it is the one, but, um, he refers to it as Jerusalem. And we yeah. see that in, um, Psalm seventy-six, uh, Jerusalem is referred to as I think it's Zion, and Zion is referred to Salem in another psalm. So you can tie yeah. it back. Yeah. I I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's
2: just yeah.
0: what would become Jerusalem, right. and that's what I saw in most of the commentaries and everything. Whenever I was studying this, most think that it was Jerusalem. Yeah,
2: right. That's the one I think makes the most sense. Yeah. But I think the reason there's so much you know so many different theories and ways of of thought is because there's not really a lot of clear biblical evidence yeah. in terms of like this was the specific location, and also like this was the specific person. So people begin to speculate, and then you know, you have theories about what Salem mm-hmm. actually was, and then you have theories right. about who Melchizedek may or may not have yeah. been. That just kind of yeah. clearly I, overcomplicates things. Because so we've been harping on this for like several <laughs> minutes <laughs> when it's really neither here nor there. And but and I, I
1: think we'll we'll probably get to it, but I think a lot of the the, the mystique or the mystery of him comes from um, where it talks about he didn't have a beginning of days yeah, or, yeah. or end or no genealogy. Yeah. And I think people kind of draw yeah. that into more of a supernatural and that's not really the message no, that the writers no, talking about so there. Either. So yeah, no.
2: particular where I guess that would make sense for Enoch's case. yeah, right. but still, again, that's kind of a little bit of a stretch. And right. even though they're living you know hundreds of years at this point in time, still probably not enough evidence, at least biblically, to really mm-hmm. conclude that to say yeah. with any level of certainty.
0: Right. I don't have anything else. Okay. So
1: uh, do you guys want to read Genesis? I mean, it's we. Yeah. you want to cover sure. that real quick? So Genesis yeah. chapter 14. So at a high level, there were five kings um, that went to battle with four kings, and the four kings won and took um some of the inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah hostage including Lot and that message was brought to Abraham Abraham rounded up his posse of 318 folks and chased them down and defeated them so what that tells me about Abraham is he was he was a very powerful yes. not him maybe not himself but he had power behind him right. and i think that comes into play here when we look at yeah, how 7 yes yeah, yeah. yeah. um mm-hmm. and how he treats Melchizedek versus how he treats King of Sodom in this same set of verses Mm -hmm. here. Um, So we'll pick up there in uh, verse uh, 17. This is after Abraham had went, divided his army, and and defeated them and brought back the spoils. It says, after his return from the defeat of... And this is, sorry, chapter 14, if I didn't say that, and and verse 17. After his return from the defeat of Chedor Cheddar Lamer? I'm not sure if that's correct. I've always said Kedor Lamer. Keto? Kedor. Oh, I like cheddar because it's like (laughs) cheese, but anyway. (laughs) And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Sheveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. And then if you keep reading there, you'll see Sodom uh, wanted to actually uh, give Abraham some stuff. Abraham mm-hmm. didn't want anything to do with right. him, um, but yet he is respecting this person. To your point, Ren, I think he, he, knows, he recognizes yeah. him. The other interesting thing that... He's called the priest of the most high. Um, this was obviously in, in the pa- patriarchal age, right? So, right. this is prior to the, the Leviac- Levi, Levi, yep, Levitical, Levitical? <laughs> Levi, <Are you laughs> Le- Levi's. Oh, I thought you were thinking about Leviathan. No, I was thinking yeah. about Levi's jeans, I think, is where I was going. But, anyways, before that, um, that so he was a priest, but he was also a king, and that's unique. And I read where a lot of times that. The priest and the king, the priest and the king would be two separate entities because they both wanted the majority of the power and they both wanted yeah. influence, influence decisions. And it was rare to find this, yeah. and this is what he was. But also, it tells us that he really did believe God, because who did he give the credit to? Right. He said, "God he has God. delivered yeah. these these enemies into your hands." So, right. Um, did you guys uh, read anything about the bread and the wine? Or, Not
0: specifically, no.
1: I've seen a couple commentaries um, they try to parallel that to uh since like his the pre- the communion. Yes, mm. as as Christ has instituted the the fruit of the vine and the bread that this may have been symbolic, symbolic of kind of like of, a
2: ceremonial Yeah,
1: and that I saw that in two commentaries, which again, we don't know. i, no. I just found it interesting that that's what he brought that is for them to yeah. But anyway...
2: You could see it being pretty symbolic there, and it would make sense since it's the exact same emblems, and, you know, obviously trying to give credit to God, but also at the same time, we're, you know, probably close to a couple thousand years away from Jesus, too, mm-hmm. right. which is what that is, the Lord's Supper in the New Testament is symbolic of. So, yeah. you know, maybe, well, just maybe. food for thought. Yeah, yeah
0: I, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. The only thing with that that I think about is, for one, I mean, that connection isn't made here, but also... I mean we know for a fact that there's a connection between the Passover, Passover later yeah. and yeah. with the Lord's Supper. I mean possibly, but I don't know. It's just, yeah. like I said, it's a theory. I, it's a, it's a yeah, theory. It's, it's one of the uh unknowns that yeah. we
1: can ask later. So. Um so really we see here that um a couple things we said Abraham was obviously in a position of power but yet he paid respect to this person. Um, and I think we get to that in, he. I think, Ren, you were alluding to it there in Hebrews chapter 7, talking about the
0: tithing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go into that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can if we go over to, which, I mean, Hebrews 7, I mean, it's loaded with stuff. Because ultimately, I mean, what I think, even though we don't know a whole lot about Melchizedek, I think ultimately what we do have recorded was to serve as a type Of Christ, Mm -hmm. and that's really what the Hebrews writer gets into Mm -hmm. here in Hebrews chapter 7. But I mean the overall theme of the book of Hebrews is to show how the new covenant under Christ is better than the old, and he goes about trying, not trying, but he goes about proving that a number of different ways, and even going back to chapter 5, well really the end of chapter 4 and chapter 5, he's talking about the priesthood of Christ. And here in Hebrews chapter 7, which it really goes through the entirety of the chapter, I don't think we'll be... I don't know if we'll get to the entirety of this chapter. We might be here for an hour and a half if we do that. But uh, this this whole chapter is to prove how Melchizedek, in essence, was superior to Abraham. And since Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, then he would be superior to Abraham and the Levitical priesthood. Right. Yeah. And so he uses this example here of of Abraham, this interaction between Abraham and Melchizedek to prove that point. Uh, because as we see there, uh, let me find the the exact verse, um, especially in, well, I'm trying to find him. oh, here it is, verse 4 of Hebrews 7. Uh, see how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoil. So referencing, going back there to verse, what was it, verse 19 or 20 of Genesis mm-hmm. 14, yeah, mm-hmm. where it talks about he gave them a tenth of the spoils. Uh, in verse 5, he continues, "...and those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from, those res- from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior." In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it testifies uh, that he lives. And so he's using, again, drawing on the Old Testament practice, the law of Moses practice of the Levites receiving these tithes, again, showing how Abraham, showing his submission to Melchizedek, gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. And then beyond that, even as he mentions in verse 7, Melchizedek then blesses Abraham, and that in and of itself shows Melchizedek's, I guess, superiority or authority over Abraham, because if Abraham would have been superior, that blessing it would have been, been, been like Abraham nonsensical, sounds... basically, a- yeah.
1: I actually like verses uh, <clears throat> 9 and 10, because it's got a little bit of um, I don't know, sarcasm in it or yeah. whatever, but his yeah. point is that, you know, you, you could almost say that technically Levi, Levi and the Levites yes, paid tithes. tithes to Melchizedek yeah. because it says that he was still in the loins of Abraham. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, I think it's symbolic, yes. but it's it's. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting way to put it.
2: That was kind of the point I was going to make because, you know, that's the same bloodline, if you will, and that was kind of the reason that the Levitical priesthood was so significant was because it had to be through the bloodline, which, mm-hmm. you know, under... Melchizedek, obviously, since that was before any of that was thought of or established, that him being greater than Abraham really proves that point. And then, fast forward, you know, a couple thousand years or so to to when Hebrews was written, it proves the point that, okay, well, this order of Melchizedek was more or less greater than this one. And then now we have an even greater high priest, which I'm sure we'll, you know, be hitting on later in the chapter. Well,
1: I was just going to say that, Robbie, something you hit on there that is that the difference in the priesthood, you talked about the lineage, right? You Mm -hmm. had to be born into it. You had to be from that certain tribe. And the Hebrew writer gets into it, I think, at verses 11 and following, how our great high priest didn't even come from that tribe, right? He came from a different tribe, the tribe of Judah. But the thing that, that struck me, and I don't remember where I read it. It was in a commentary. was like, what made Melchizedek a priest was really his righteousness, was his living the way God wanted him to. And it kind of led me to tying to how we technically are priests. You know, Peter said that we are a royal priesthood, priesthood, which would indicate that we too are priests based upon our, not our lineage, but
0: because of how we choose to live. Exactly, and he, he mentions that in verses 15 and 16 of Hebrews 7 also. And, of course, this is more when he's comparing it with Christ. But he says, This becomes more evident with other pre- when other priests arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who became a priest not on the basis of legal requirement, Concerning oh, bodily where I read it. verse 16. But by Sorry. the power of an indestructible life. I need to correct it. It was not yeah, a commentary.
1: commentary. Well, the Bible's its own best commentary. So. Yes, it is. But yes, anyway, is. that but, is exactly but, yeah. what I was thinking of right an there. An even better source. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Ren,
0: go on. But I mean, to, to your point, it wasn't dependent upon his physical lineage, which the Hebrew's writer, author mentions this a couple of times. If Christ were to be a priest on earth... I mean, technically, he couldn't be because, as he points out, where I know you mentioned just a second ago, uh, uh, but here in Hebrews 7, it talks about 14. how he was from the tribe of Judah, about which the law says nothing yeah. concerning the priests. So Jesus, as far as the Levitical priesthood, wouldn't have met the requirements. But that's not the basis upon which he became priest. It was his the power of his indestructible life, that righteousness. The Hebrews writer talks about it, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, uh, how he was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Uh, Peter talks about that. First Peter, I think it's chapter two, uh, mentions that yeah. as well. So yeah, I think the other interesting thing there is is the kingship.
1: Um, whereas um, you know Christ was king. where's he at now? He's at the right yeah. hand of the right hand of the throne, but he's also still doing what? He's serving as the priest by interceding for mm-hmm. us, right? The Hebrew writer mm-hmm. talks about that, how he's gone through the veil of the holiest of holies. And now he's basically sitting there interceding for us as the high priest would have under the old covenant. So he's still serving as both king mm-hmm. and, and priest, priest yes. which is interesting.
0: Yeah,
2: right. And well, kind of back to Melchizedek, I think it's also important to point out, well, and also for the Levitical priesthood point, that you know there's a difference between a priest and a high priest. You know, there's only one high priest that you know could go into the holy of holies and you know we kind of had harped on this just a moment ago but the fact that melchizedek is put even you know above that and jesus even more so being our high priest and king mm-hmm, yeah. today is even more significant and just talking <laughs> following up on your comment about the importance of how we live versus you know in the old testament's case what bloodline we came through or what commandments we obeyed though they are important. It's ultimately about how we live and you know we see that throughout the New Testament and Hebrews that whole book does a you know an excellent job of kind of tying all of those you know kind of old ways of thinking together into yeah. what it should be because throughout the New Testament we we see time and again how the Jews and different groups were trying to bind Old Testament customs and mm-hmm. they were still you know going on and on about The fact that they were God's people and just weren't willing to let go of some of those things, and then, you know, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, like, there's several books throughout the New Testament that talk about how none of that matters anymore, it matters about, you know, how you live, and it's all because of what Christ did. Yeah,
1: I think that, going back to some of the stuff we alluded to earlier, um if we i don't think you read verses 2 and 3 no, right so verse no. verse 2 we we said first of all he says he is first by translation of his name king of righteousness so he was called melchizedek and it translated to king of righteousness which mm-hmm. tells us what kind of life he lived right? Right, right and the other one is he is also the king of Solomon, salem salem whatever you want to call it <laughs> jerusalem um that is the king of peace um and that that um the, the note that I was talking about Jerusalem, Jeru and Salem meant foundation of peace, and I thought that was interesting. But anyway, so we see the kind of life. He's not a—he's um, a peaceful person. He's living the way God would have him to live under the patriarchal law. Um, he's, he's offering sacrifices for his family, obviously. If he has a family, that was what they did. Um, but then in verse 3, and I think this, going back, this is where people get, I think— taking it literal to the sense of he didn't really have a a father or a mother. Um, It says, He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues as a priest forever. I I think the author here is alluding to the fact that we have no record of his birth, we have no record of his death. We have this introduction in verse 19 in Genesis chapter 14, and then we have the the last we really hear of him, and there's no, I don't want to say it's not the significance, going back to the genealogy, It's not that's not what made him priest and king in this case.
2: I think you could also make a point that that's kind of what that verse is saying, when it not only do we not really have the archaeological record of who his mother and father were, Mm -hmm. but also because of who he was, because of how he lived, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Right,
0: and also, I think when you look at the main point of the Hebrews author here, that kind of metaphorical, that analogy that he's trying to draw, It I think it becomes even more clear that he's not literally saying Melchizedek has always and will always right. be alive, and that he came from nothing, because he states at the end of verse 3, he's describing how Christ resembled, well, I guess here more properly, how Melchizedek resembled, resembled yeah. Christ. And again, mm-hmm. it goes back to that concept of types and anti-types. There were things in the Old Testament, numerous things that shadowed things that were to come. That's what we see. The Hebrews author deals with that, what is it, chapter 10 in verse 1, where it talks about how those things were shadows of things to come. Uh, So he's drawing this analogy between Melchizedek. And to your point, Ryan, like you said, we don't have his genealogy recorded. We don't know where he came from. We don't know when he died. We don't know any of those things. He's not saying that they never happened. But that we just don't know them and so it serves as that that illustration, I guess you could say. Of right. Christ. I think it's pretty symbolic there yeah. is the point that he's yeah. making.
2: Because, you know, without father, without mother, you know, did he just like poof and disappear out right. of thin air? <laughs> I mean, you know, and I think with God all yeah. things are possible. <clears throat> right,
0: right. Well, and and again to relate that to Christ, it's describing his deity, his eternal nature. Uh, John one and verse one. He has always been and will always be. And not only that, he connects it then to his priesthood. The same thing is true of Melchizedek's priesthood. We don't have the record of his priesthood beginning or ending, and so in a sense, you know, it's what we know on of him. Forever. He was always a priest. Always a what priest. we know of him, yeah. And mm-hmm. in that same sense, and that's his. I think that's the Hebrews writer' main point here. Christ will always be priest.
1: Yeah, because you can see in um, I think it's Numbers. I just read it this morning as part of my reading, but. I believe they were told they would start at the age of 25 and then at the age of 50 they would no longer actually go in and do work. Yep. They could they could still help their brothers, but they weren't supposed to actually so there was an mm-hmm. actual hey beginning and an end to to what the priests of, of the right. Levites that you knew when they would start and you knew when they would mm-hmm. end. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And And then they would die eventually too, but Yes.
2: Right. I think it, and you brought this up Ryan a while ago, I forget exactly when it was, but, you know, especially in the ancient times, there was a very delicate balance between what we would call church and state, you know, having a king and Mm, a separate, mm -hmm. you know, religious leader, in this case a priest, and keeping those kind of definably separate, Um, and then, you know, even there's numerous civilizations that kind of learned the wisdom behind that, because they would have a leader that would kind of serve as both, who would pretty much become, like... You know, an ancient dictator, pretty yep. much. So, mm-hmm. there's wisdom behind that as well. But
1: and if the king didn't like it, they would start their own church. Exactly. Like, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. ask England?
2: <laughs> <laughs> which I heard something. You know, and you can take this with a grain of salt. It's one of those things. Which one came first? But the whole King, Re- the king Henry the thing. Uh, what I've been told was that he didn't create the Church of England. That it was kind of like already, you know, though not the official church. That it was something that had already existed. And then, you know, the whole divorce debacle. He put gave his promotion him, like, behind it. here, we'll just make it. this yeah. one, and that way I can get my divorces and sure. everything. Yeah.
1: So, I think the other interesting thing, not necessarily about Melchizedek, but could be said about a lot of people, what I would see in the Old Testament, um, I think it proves that there were other people that, that worshiped god, believed yeah. god, served god that we have no record of. Right. Um sometimes I think we get and maybe it's just me, but sometimes I get caught in the aspect of like if it ain't if it isn't in the Old Testament, it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's not true yeah. because yeah. obviously there were other people that god either probably spoke to miraculously and and led them right. to the point of where hey, you're gonna right. you're gonna serve me or whatever. Um, it's not recorded because the mm-hmm. Old Testament really serves a purpose, and yeah. it's to show us that beginning of the Jewish nation
0: leading up to Christ. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. a lot
1: that happened that we don't yeah. have account of. Well, and
0: you saying that reminds me, like an example is Jonah. I mean, do we really think that was the only time God ever sent somebody yeah. to the Gentiles to say, "Hey, y'all need to shape up"? That's a good point. Yeah, I, I don't think that it would have been. I mm-hmm. think you know, throughout time, he would have made it known somehow, some way through prophets that perhaps we don't even know anything about Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. that that would have served that function.
1: See, that's the kind of interesting... I mean, I think that goes back to the Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong yeah. to God, because there are things like, well, how did Melchizedek even find out? Yeah. I mean, it, we don't need to know. No. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that also leads to the point where people start coming up with these ideas of yeah. maybe he was this, that, or the right. other. But int- yeah. I, I think it's important to remember that while we don't have a record of it, there were people that yeah. worshipped God, believed God, served God, whatever you want
0: to call it, and were doing what they were supposed to. Right. And to your point, the purpose of the Old Testament, it does deal a lot with history, but the overarching purpose of it was is to give us this narrative of how God worked through history to bring about Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the main point.
2: Right. I mean, you think of how many... There, there's just no way that God didn't interact with or speak with, like, anybody outside of the Old Testament. And that's kind of why, you know, in the Old Testament there's very little about Melchizedek, which is why, you know, some people look at it, well, this guy just, you know, had bread and, bread and <laughs> juice to give to <laughs> Abraham kind of thing, and there's not really a whole lot more. I mean, there's probably multiple other interactions. Well, I won't say that it's likely, but it's definitely possible, if nothing else, that there were plenty of interactions between him and God, especially since you can see the clear relationship that Abraham had with him. Well, well,
1: you look at Job, and Job was, you know, patriarch as well. He almost served—he wasn't a king, but he was the priest—I'm putting that in air quotes for the use of home—the priest for his family, right? Right. It says he offered sacrifices for if his children would have sinned, and we see the interaction that God had with Job, it served a purpose— but I, I think you're mm-hmm. right, Robbie, in the fact that there was probably some of that with other people that we just we just don't, don't have know. a record of. Yeah.
2: Probably a whole lot we don't know about. Yes. Undoubtedly. And that's probably well, a good thing. And the reason ways. the
1: reason why yeah. I agree with that is because if you think about the New Testament, they say that if they really wrote down all of the things that Christ did, they couldn't fit it in the books, yes. right? Yeah, so right. I, I think there are things that we just don't have. Right, I mean, we're not we're not privy to, and it just it's interesting, I think. But yeah.
2: it's thousands of years of history too, though. Also, in you know, just really a handful of books—thirty-nine, yeah. mm-hmm. so more than a handful, but not an enormous enormous amount. Of yeah. books.
0: So,
1: so anything no? else? I'm um, Mel.
0: You got any? Uh, I didn't really I mean, have anything else. The only other thing that I guess, which I'm sure we've already kind of hit on this. But the other way that he's compared to Christ in verse 2, being king of righteousness and king of peace, I think obviously the king of righteousness is pretty straightforward because Christ, as we've already talked about, he was sinless, he was perfect, but also king of peace. And we know in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, that one of the titles that was to be given to Christ was the prince of peace and how in his kingdom there is peace. And so, again, just another one of those ways that we see that similarity between Melchizedek and also Christ, but again, the main point of Hebrew seven is to show, in essence, the superiority of Christ over the Levitical priesthood, because he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and Melchizedek was superior to Abraham, and therefore superior to Levi, as is mentioned there in verses mm-hmm. nine and two, which and ten.
1: which alludes to the fact that Christ is more important than Moses to yes. to, to these people. Yes. Um, I mean, you see that on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? You got Moses, Elijah, and and Jesus, and God said, Behold, my son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him. Yeah. And the point was you don't you don't listen to the old law anymore mm-hmm. or the prophets, right. you listen to to Jesus. Well, I
2: think that's you know, kind of the whole point of Hebrews too, mm-hmm. especially like the yeah. first several chapters there, you know, he's he's greater than the law, he's greater than Abraham, and then he's greater than the prophets. Yep. And even, you mm-hmm. know, you see that throughout that whole book, but particularly in this, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, too, in the analogy that he makes here.
0: Yep.
2: Well,
1: that's, I, that's all I have. All yeah, I yeah. mean, we've done. 32 minutes on a guy that has, like, I don't know, nine verses, verses in the Bible, yeah. so I think we did pretty good. Anyway, um... I'm
2: kind of disappointed you didn't like my nickname for him, The Milkman. The Milkman? I, d- I, I didn't say I disliked <laughs> it, I was just like... I think it I, just shocked you, maybe. Like, just left you speechless. I was trying to
1: figure out which one was the hand clap on the, on the or the but boom I don't know if we really have that on our soundboard. I, I thought you mean? were
2: about to mute me. <laughs> probably probably <laughs> wouldn't have been a bad idea, no. honestly.
1: Um... So again, uh, thank you for tuning in. And again, as Ren mentioned, this was a, or did I mention? Someone mentioned this was a uh, request I think I said it you before did before we okay. started recording. Yeah, I think you did. Yeah. Oh well, anyway, if I didn't mention it up front, this was a request of a of a listener, um, not a member here at Collinsville, but a listener we have in, in another state, um, and. We appreciate the request. It gives us it gives us topics. We do have a list, and we've gone through mm-hmm. several. I would say in the at, towards yeah. the end of last year and and the start of this year. So we're still trying to weed through them, but continue to send them in. Um, the other thing that we're trying to do, or I'm trying to do, is take the verses that we've looked at and apply and, and attach them to uh, somehow to the. Um, the Facebook post that Ren puts out, or not Ren, well, Ren puts it out, yeah, but it's from yeah. the conclusion of the matter yeah. um, because it was brought up that I, I was given a you know, recommendation. Maybe we should post our verses because if they're driving or something and they can't write it down. Um, so we're trying to do that. Uh, it's on my list, but look, be looking forward to that. And we might try to do it other ways too, but we'll see. Anyway, but uh, again, you can send us an email at the conclusion of the matter at yahoo.com or reach out to one of us. Um, if you know us one way or the other,, yeah. so. or if you don't, or if you don't, yeah, so, but thanks again, and we're looking forward to continuing to season four, I think yeah. but for Melchizedek, I think this is the conclusion, conclusion of, of the, the matter. matter.